Hey there, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. My name is John Whitaker, and I believe that the Bible is the wisest advice for life. And so on this podcast, I simply try to give what I like to call blue jeans theology. That is theology for everyday life. Bible rooted in everyday life, spoken in everyday language. Over the last couple months with the pandemic and various things, I've focused a lot of my energy outside of the podcast on trying to serve churches and provide resources for churches. And what that's meant is I've done very little communicating of some of the resources I have for individuals. So if you're looking for some uh, ways to deepen your faith, grow in your understanding of the Bible, grow in your understanding of God, learn how to grow spiritually and walk by the Spirit. I've got some online courses that might be of interest to you, and you can check those out on my website. I'll put a link to that down in the notes below, but I've got a course on really the big story of the Bible and how all the Bible fits together into that story and what's the best way to read the Bible. I've got a course on uh, the core beliefs of the Christian faith, and if you have the same worldview of Jesus, what do you believe, what do you value, what do you practice? I've got a course on the basics of spiritual growth that really helps you think through uh, how God's grace enables us to become like Jesus from the inside out. And so those courses are available on my website, and you can check those out uh, at any time, and they are available at any time. All right, let's jump into this week's episode How many of you have traveled overseas, particularly overseas to a country where the culture was quite different than the culture that you currently live in? I've been to New Zealand, and though the culture was somewhat different from American culture where I live, not radically different, but there were some things, you know, even just language things that stood out. Been to Australia, and again, The culture wasn't radically different than American culture, but it was a little bit different. There were some things that stood out. I've also been to Haiti, and Haiti was quite different than American culture, and I I learned a lot just about the people of Haiti. I came to appreciate uh, really just uh, so much about their faith and faithfulness and dedication. Uh, I appreciated so much about their... um, the pastors I was working with, their devotion to Jesus and their congregations, even in difficult situations. But the culture was quite different, and it was very, very stark, the differences between American culture and Haitian culture. So how many of you had had an experience like that, where the culture and and its differences just really stood out to you, and you had to make some significant adjustments in order to actually um, enjoy and even live in that culture? This is a common practice, say, for Christian missionaries who travel overseas to various parts of the world, and they have to they have to learn a new culture. They have to learn new ways of engaging. They have to get used to significant cultural differences, right? Well, this is a good analogy for what I want to talk about on the podcast today. At the end of last uh, week's episode, we were talking about New Testament letters, and I said one of the ways I like to think about those letters is just in terms of re-socializing. It's a strange word, re-socializing, um, and there's really like a strong sense of that word that is sometimes used even in the uh, literature of psychology and some of that for like, you know, almost heavy-handed, almost forcing somebody to have to, uh, you know, learn a brand new way of acting. For example, they talk about re-socializing when you enter into a prison, that there's just 
there's prison norms, prison values, prison practices, and you've got to learn those, and it's just kind of forced upon you. Or it could be truth, say, when you enter into a cult, um, and your life is con completely controlled, and thus your values and practices are re-engineered. That's like a strong sense of the word re-socializing, and that's not really the way I'm using the word. Re-socializing re has sort of a soft sense in which you voluntarily choose to learn new norms, new practices, new values, because you're part of a new group. This is what happens, say, for the Christian missionary who has chosen to move overseas, and now they're part of a new group, and so voluntarily they choose to learn some new customs. They learn some new practices, new norms, even some new values, because they've chosen to be part of a new group. And so that's sort of a soft sense of re-socializing, and that's really how I'm using it here on this episode that I want to talk about today, learning the new norms, values, and practices in keeping with a new group. Um, so, for example, when you move to a new country with different customs, or it could even happen when you change jobs, for example, and, and maybe it's in the same industry, but it's a brand new company, and that company just operates completely differently than the company you were at before. There's just a whole new spirit about it. There's a whole new way, maybe even in a very positive way, and there's more value for the individual. There's more collaboration. There's more whatever, and there's just some new ways of operating that now, wow, you've got to learn some new things. You're being re-socialized to new norms and values and practices in keeping with the new group. That's kind of what I'm thinking of by re-socializing. And that's a very important way to understand or think about what the New Testament authors are doing, particularly in the letters where they offer ethical instruction, they offer commands about how we should live our life, um, that, that those should be thought of in terms of re-socializing. Listen to this verse from Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 that helps us think about what happened when we became Christians. So if you're a follower of Jesus, what happened to you? What changed? And I want you to think about this and then we're going to talk in terms of how that affects the way we think about uh, choosing to live our life now. Colossians 1 13 says, for he, meaning um, God, he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Notice that, that when, when somebody comes to Christ and they become a Christian, this verse here in Colossians 1.13 says this is what happened. You were part of a previous dominion, a previous realm. The word domain there in that verse is exousia in Greek, and it means like sphere of authority, realm. Here they translate it domain. So think in terms of a dominion, the dominion of darkness. And God rescued you from that. So you are under this dominion of darkness. If you're familiar with the Lord of the Rings trilogy, right? You think in terms of Mordor and the realm of darkness and evil and its evil practices and its conquests and all that. So you are under the dominion of darkness. Um, which is Paul's way of really describing just the fallen world and the fallen world order and the fallen world's way of operating. You were part of that, and it was oppressive, and it was dark, and it was confusing, and it was against God, and God rescued you from that. And, verse 13 goes on and says, and he transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. So we were moved out of one kingdom, out of one dominion, to a new kingdom. And notice in verse 13 that this isn't saying this is something that should happen. 
It's an accomplished fact. He did already rescue you, and he already did transfer you to the kingdom of his beloved son. It's an accomplished fact. We have been transferred to a new kingdom, specifically the kingdom of God's beloved son. This is the very gospel that Jesus preached. When you read uh, the stories about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the four gospels, it says that Jesus came announcing that God's kingdom had arrived. It had arrived specifically in himself, in Jesus, and it was open for any and all to enter into, right? And so we who have come to Christ have thus entered into a new kingdom, and now we have some things to unlearn, old values, old ways, old practices that were part of the dominion of darkness. We have to unlearn those, and we have some new norms, new values, new practices to learn that are in keeping with the culture of Jesus's kingdom, this new kingdom that we're a part of. That's how we need to think about our lifestyle change, and that's how we should read the New Testament letters when they begin to tell us uh, instructions about how to live, that we're part of a new kingdom now, and we need to figure out how things work in this kingdom, what this new culture is like. There are commonly two mistakes that I've seen Christians make in regards to the rules or the instructions, the commands, particularly in the New Testament letters that tell us, live like this, do this, love one another, serve one another, right? Like, don't lie to one another, get rid of anger, um, remove sexual immorality, all these kinds of commands. Well, there's two mistakes I've, I've heard or I've seen Christians commonly make in their thinking and thus their relationship with those instructions. The first mistake is this. It's the religious rules mistake. The religious rules mistake. This mistake is to think of the behavioral commands in the New Testament as just religious rules, rules that you have to do because the church says so, or rules you have to do to make sure God doesn't get mad at you and, and you know, therefore pour out his wrath upon you or not let you into heaven and send you to hell, right? Like they're just religious rules. The assumption underlying this mistake is that these commands are somewhat arbitrary that they are just sort of the Christian thing to do, and they may or may not have any real connection to real life, right? Like they're just they're just arbitrary religious rules. I had a friend who um, who had a long-standing friend of his who lived in California, but also had a house across the street in Idaho, and so he had two homes, one in California. And then a home that he occasionally would come and stay in for weeks or maybe sometimes a month or so at a time up here in Idaho where I live. And so this friend of mine um, would occasionally keep an eye on his house that was across the street from him. Um, well, there this at this one particular period, there's people that kept parking in the, the driveway. They knew this house was, house was vacant long times of the year, so they would park in the driveway. Uh, and I don't remember all the details, but they park in the driveway, maybe tear up the lawn. They just kind of made a mess of this guy's house. Well, this, this friend who was living in California, um, you know, was a Christian guy, but he was getting so frustrated by this. At one point, these were the words he said, forget the Christian thing to do. I'm going to let those guys have it. And that spirit sort of illustrates the religious rules mistake. It's like there's a Christian way to do it. And, and you know, if you're going to be a Christian, that's the way you do it. But then there's sometimes just the way you actually have to do it in real life. Like I, there's a real, and actually that's what he went on to say. It's like there's a way you really got to deal with people like this, and I'm just going to let them have it. And so the Christian way was like, well, that was the religious thing to do. 
But then when life gets hard, you just got to step up and do it the way you got to do it in the real world. And that's just a mistake. That misunderstands what's going on in those New Testament instructions. When you read the lifestyle instructions or the ethical commands in the New Testament letters, they're not arbitrary religious rules. They aren't just church rules. They describe the way of life in Jesus' kingdom. They describe the culture of that kingdom. And the question is, does Jesus know what he's talking about? Is he smart enough to know the way life works best, right? That's the question. Uh, when we put our faith in Jesus and we enter into his kingdom, we're essentially saying we think Jesus actually knows what he's talking about. He's smart enough to understand the way life is meant to work. And so we're just going to do it his way. Not because it's just a religious way, not because we're trying to keep God from getting mad at us, but because we actually believe it's the way real life is designed to work. So that's the religious rules mistake. We shouldn't think about the, the commands as just arbitrary religious rules. Second mistake is this. It's what I call the spiritual life mistake. The spiritual life mistake. Let me illustrate it this way. Think right now about your typical day. What all do you have to do in your typical day, right? Like maybe uh, you have a job you have to go to, and so you get up in the morning, you shower, you get ready, eat quick breakfast, you run out the door, you go to your job, you spend the next eight hours or so on your job. If you've got a job, maybe that's what you've got to do. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom and you've got kids to take care of, right? You've got all the, you got laundry to do, you got food to make, right? Whatever it is, think about your typical day and everything you have to do in your typical day. Now, with that in mind, suppose someone asks you the question, hey, how's your spiritual life going lately? How, would you, how do people usually answer that question? How's your spiritual life going lately? I know because I've asked plenty of people this question, so I, I tend to have a pretty good idea of how people usually respond. It usually goes one of two ways. If they feel like their spiritual life is going good, this is how they answer. Well, it's going pretty good, man. It's great. I've been reading through the Bible lately. I've been reading through Luke lately. My prayer life has been great. I just feel really close to God. It's like God's right there. My spiritual life is great. Or if your spiritual life isn't going so good, it usually goes like this. Well, man, it's it's all right. It hasn't been going great lately. I've been so swamped. I have so much to do. I haven't been reading my Bible consistently. And I haven't really been getting up and doing my devotions or praying much. And so I know it could do a whole lot better. Now, those are honest reactions, and it's all good. But just notice, here's what I find interesting about either one of those responses. Both of them have the same approach to the spiritual life. Um, and that is that our spiritual life in both those responses has been reduced to a few religious activities. Reading my Bible, praying, maybe going to church, maybe saying a prayer before I eat my meals, right? Like, So there's my spiritual life, these religious activities uh, and then there's my real life where I just got to take care of business, got to pay the bills, I got to go to work, I got to take care of the kids, I got to do the laundry. And so my spiritual life and my everyday real life. And that's just, again, a fundamental misunderstanding of really God and Jesus and what the Bible teaches. It leaves out an awful lot of life. Like you spend 50 plus hours, perhaps, if you work full time on your job dealing with the people on your job, dealing with the tasks of your job. How does that connect to your spiritual life? Or how does your spiritual life connect with your family life? Or what about your social life? Or what about uh, your neighborhood and how it works there, right? Like your civic life in relationship to, you know, your city and your, your citizenship as 
whatever country you live in, right? Like, th this is the idea uh, of the spiritual life mistake is the idea that what really matters is your spiritual life as if it's something different from your ordinary life. It's actually based on a misunderstanding of the gospel that seems to think the gospel is about saving your soul so you can go to heaven when you die, so that it's really about the non-physical side of life, your soul and heaven, which is a spiritual realm. And so the most important things in life are spiritual things. And usually that means like praying, reading the Bible, going to church, which are all good things. It's just that Jesus has a much bigger plan than that. And the gospel is much more holistic than that. So let's, let's talk about Jesus' bigger plan and, and what that bigger plan means and how that relates to the ethical commands and instructions of the New Testament letter. As we noted above, Jesus came announcing that God's kingdom was at hand in him, that he was ushering in God's kingdom. He was bringing in a new kingdom and he was inviting people, us, to be a part of it. Uh, in Ephesians 2.15, Paul actually describes the result of Jesus' work, Jesus' death and resurrection, as a new humanity. Ephesians 2.15 says that Jesus brought peace between Gentiles and Jews and thus created a new humanity. If you're reading in the English Standard Version or the New American Standard, it'll say one new man. But that's that idea of one new humanity. And as a result of this teaching, the early Christians actually thought of themselves as like a third race. There were, there were the Gentiles, the Greeks, the Romans, they were one race. Then there were the Jews, they were the other race, the second race. And then there were Christians, those in Christ's kingdom, and they were a third race. And they intended to be different and have a different way of life from either of the other two races. Uh, the two major divisions between people groups in the ancient world were Gentiles and Jews, and Christians saw themselves as that third race that intended to be different. You could take the same principle today and say, for me or for you, race number one is whatever race you were born into. Race number two would be all the people who were not of that race that you were born into. Race number three then is my new identity as a member of Jesus' kingdom, my new identity in Christ. Well, all of this, when we think about it this way, helps us understand the, why we need to think of the ethical instructions in the New Testament letters in terms of re-socializing. Jesus isn't interested in just your spiritual life. He's not just interested in saving your soul. He's, he's not just commanding arbitrary religious rules that you have to keep so that, Lord willing, you can go to heaven someday. Jesus is ushering in a new kingdom made up of a new humanity with a new way of doing human life. Did you catch that? That's what the gospel is about. That's what Jesus' big plan is. Jesus is ushering in a new kingdom made up of a new humanity with a new way of doing human life. And as a result of that, Jesus has a very down-to-earth spirituality. He doesn't have a spirituality primarily of religious rituals, religious rules, and, you know, religious activity that we have to do. He has a down-to-earth spirituality. And so do his apostles, right? Like the apostles are the authorized ambassadors of Jesus' new kingdom, and they have the same down-to-earth spirituality as Jesus. Um, Jesus' spirituality, the apostle's spirituality, deals with the stuff of everyday life, offering wisdom and guidance for everyday life. 
What they're offering is a better way of doing life, a better way of being, being human. You see this down-to-earth spirituality in Jesus' teaching. For example, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the most kind of comprehensive collection of Jesus' teaching there, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Just read through it. It just deals with the stuff of everyday life. Anger, name-calling, reconciliation between people when there's been a break in the relationship. It deals with adultery, lust, divorce, and remarriage. It, it has to do with keeping your word and being a person of integrity, loving difficult people, dealing with people who oppose you or people who wound you and wrong you and hurt you. It has to do with money and possessions. It talks about worry and our, uh, worrying about our needs being met. It deals with blaming and condemning and, and how we should interact with people in a way that doesn't involve blaming and condemning. That, that's just down-to-earth stuff. Just read the news, look at your social media, watch what's going on in your neighborhood, right? That's just the stuff of everyday life. It's a down-to-earth spirituality. And notice, these are the very same kinds of things that show up then in the New Testament letters when the apostles are writing to these new gatherings of Christians, these new churches, and helping them learn the culture of the new kingdom. It's all about your ordinary life, your everyday life, your real life. It's not as if you have a spiritual life and then you have your real life. Like if you were to ask Jesus the question, what's more spiritual, praying or stocking shelves at Walmart, right? Like praying or doing my job, reading my Bible or being a bank teller or whatever it is, what's more spiritual, Jesus? And I think if you ask Jesus that question, Jesus would kind of shake his head and say, huh, I don't get the question. They're one and the same to him. They're one and the same. Your everyday life, your real life, whether it, whatever your job is, dealing with kids, dealing with your neighbors, dealing with your civic responsibilities, and then praying and your religious activities for Jesus, it's all part of your life. You have a life, and it's either in keeping with Jesus and his kingdom, or it's not. Listen to these words from Ephesians chapter 4. Here's Paul in one of these New Testament letters writing to a, a new church, helping them think through how they should live and view the fact that they're now part of Jesus' kingdom. Here in Ephesians 4, 20 and 21, he says this, That, however... He's just made a contrast with the former way of life, their old culture, the kind of life they lived before they got transferred into Jesus' kingdom. And he says, that, however, is not, catch this, the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. Like, when you learned Christ, you learned a way of life. Like, there, in fact, he's very stark in another verse in the same context where he says, you learned Christ. Like learning Christ is about learning a way of life. For Jesus and the apostles, you don't have a religious life and a real life. You simply have a life. You don't have a spiritual life and then a normal everyday life. You just have a life. And that life is either lived by the Spirit as part of the new humanity that makes up Jesus' kingdom, or it's not. And if it's not, then it's time to learn his way, to learn the culture of his kingdom. It's time, in other words, to be re-socialized, 
to a new way of life, a new way of life that you've chosen by putting your faith in Jesus. You've chosen to trust him. You've chosen to believe that Jesus is smart. You've chosen to believe that he actually knows what he's talking about. You've chosen to believe that he, he embodies the genuine, authentic, best way of being human. And you want to learn his way of life. You've been transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved son. You've been transferred into the kingdom of Jesus. And since we live there now, since we've moved to a new kingdom, let's learn the values and priorities and the ways of that kingdom. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That's what it means to be re-socialized. So when I talk about the New Testament letters, think of them in terms of helping Christians be re-socialized. That's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about learning the new values, norms, and practices of the new culture of Christ's kingdom, the kingdom that we are now a part of because of our faith in Jesus. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of The Bible in Life. And thanks again to each and every one of you who, in whatever way you can, by prayer and by financial support, make this ministry possible. Literally, I couldn't do it without you. Um, and so thanks a ton. May God bless you for it. God bless each and every one of you, and I look forward to talking to you again next week.